welcome everyone to a new edition of ASME's podcast, ASME Today and Tomorrow. I'm Michael Cowan, ASME's Director of Strategic Communications. Today, we're launching the first of a new series of episodes we'll be recording devoted to the subject of innovation in clean energy. We've given ASME's Executive Director, CEO, Tom Costabile, the day off, and instead have invited Bob Stackenborgs, an ASME fellow who's been working in the nuclear power industry for over 35 years and is currently the general manager for ILD, an engineering company located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to serve as co-host. Bob is also actively involved in ASME in a variety of ways, including serving as a member of the Executive Committee of the Nuclear Engineering Division, as a member of the Senior Leadership Team for the Energy Conversion and Storage Segment, and as an active member of several ASME Boiler and Pressure Vessel Code Committees. Bob, welcome to the program. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. As you'll hear, Bob has lined up some great topics and fascinating guests. So with that, I'm going to hand things over to Bob to hear what he's got in store for us today. So hi, Michael. Thanks for that. So we have some great speakers lined up today, but before I get into the, into the details, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the Advanced Clean Energy Summit. So it was a great program and all about, as the name implies, Advanced Clean Energy. So after looking at the program, I had to admit, even I was impressed with the diversity of technologies that these really creative people are working on. In fact, some of our upcoming Innovators in Clean Energy podcasts will feature a few of the folks that were there. So if you didn't make it this year, really consider it for next year. It's really, it's very worthwhile. So uh, that's just about the perfect segue for what we're talking about today, which is solar-powered automobiles. So with us, I've got um, Adam uh, Leinberger, who is the current director of SolarPack. He's a senior in mechanical engineering at North Carolina State University. And Cody Biederman, who's a previous director of SolarPack, and he's a graduate in mechanical engineering from North Carolina State University as well. So uh, say hello, guys. Hi, I'm Adam. I'm the uh, electrical engineering rep. Hi, I'm Cody. Uh, I represent the mechanical engineering side of the team. So Adam and Cody, tell us a little bit about SolarPack, your team, and the competition itself. And oh, by the way, SolarPack, nice wordplay on Wolfpack, by the way. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, I think people like to hear that we kind of throw that in there as like a Wolfpack homage. For the team itself, the reason why it was founded, um, our goal is, to transform industry by changing the way people see sustainable transportation. We just recently participated in the Formula Sun Grand Prix, um, which is a track race, typically at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, and that's like an endurance race. The point is to get the most laps down in the few days that you have to race, and so it's a pretty good test of your design in terms of reliability and also how efficiently your vehicle moves. What motivates you and your teammates? Well, you know, why would you ever think about entering a competition like this? Well, this competition is kind of a rite of passage and a really solid proving ground for the uh, solar car community. It's an incredible learning experience, and it brings a lot of valuable publicity and scrutineering, which is what they call the engineering inspections there. So scrutineering, I like that word. Tell me a little bit about the car itself. So how did you guys decide exactly what kind of design process you were going to use and parts and things like that? Where did those ideas come from? We had a very good advisor and mentor in the very beginning who had some experience making uh, alternative renewable energy vehicles and uh, had a really good system set up for designing. But we knew that because of our uh, innovative goals that no one was really doing what we had done before. We tried to incorporate OEM parts as much as possible. We knew we were going to have to make a lot of stuff ourselves, but making sure we can get stuff from actual cars makes it a lot easier to develop, and those parts already are proven to work. 
so just kind of making it easier on ourselves. We knew we wanted to do a tubular space frame, not only because it sounds cool, but also like it's easier to implement than like stamping out body panels in a huge machine. And uh, we can make our own composite fiber body, which we were actually able to do with hemp fibers from a supplier in Florida. So not only is it solar power, but it's renewable if you're using hemp, I guess. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a good feature. So the choice of OEM part makes a lot of sense to mm-hmm. me. That's obviously what you try to do. No, no sense in re-engineering those kind of things. But so what about the the parts that are not uh, off the shelf? Like I guess probably like the solar array and batteries. How did how'd you guys handle those? So the uh, the solar array was actually assembled by hand, and it includes over 220 solar cells. On the car, we also have an electric motor that produces about 130 horsepower a lithium titanate battery pack with 27 kilowatt hours. And the car itself weighs about 3,000 pounds, and the batteries make up about 600 pounds of that weight, uh, which is actually about the weight of some other solar cars. Your design went around uh, being able to run this uh, road race, right? Yeah, I mean, it was really, we designed all those in mind with practicality, like the the horsepower is necessary for overtaking people on the highways and doing burnout. Um, and the car did end up weighing more than we initially expected, but most of that was attributed to us, like over designing things and, and with regards to safety, it sort of is completely concurrent with our ambition to use real road car parts because that's where we want our car to be. Not many other teams are doing stuff similar to us, so there wasn't much of us, much that we could piggyback off of. Okay, so is that what kind of sets you guys apart? You're trying to uh, make something that you could actually, you know, run on the road and and maybe build one day in in mass production, perhaps. Yeah. So the other, I mean, the other cars do run on the road during the race, but in the real world, it wouldn't be practical. To, you can't haul any groceries or people or overtake someone on the highway or on a regular road, something like that. So at this point, I guess we get down to the real nuts and bolts. So tell us a little bit how it performed at the competition. It didn't really perform at the competition. The vehicle was actually damaged during travel uh, on our journey to get down there to Texas. And we arrived with a buckled frame from the suspension. We also didn't have any fluid in the brakes. The lights didn't quite work. The battery management system wasn't programmed correctly. And the electrical system wasn't completely hooked up. So there was a lot of stuff we didn't know we would face and a lot of challenges we were surprised by. And basically a lot of mountains that we had to climb. Wow. Okay, so problems right off the bat. So how'd you handle the adversity? It sounds like you guys uh, had quite a bit right as soon as you got there. Yeah, well, uh, we put a lot of time in, and by the end of the week, uh, we had crossed all those mountains. We spent two and a half days repairing and troubleshooting the broken frame suspension. Uh, We received a lot of help from other teams and the inspecting race officials, the scrutineers, as they call them. And we really stuck to our guns, and with a short pep talk from our advisor, and uh, we just got the scrapping, which is kind of what we do best. So you ended up making the repairs on the fly. So, so after you made the repairs, uh, you know, was the car serviceable then? Did it run in the race or? It didn't make it on the track. It took us to the very last day to get the final piece of the electrical system wired up, uh, which is the drive system. And at that point, we had literally everything packed up into our trailer except for the car. It was 4:50 p.m. We had to be fully packed up at 5 p.m. And we decided to have one last test where we just fired up the laptop and the controller and pressed the throttle to see what would happen and boom, the motor spun. It was a really big deal for us, but it was an hour, it was, yeah, it was about an hour and a half before the race was over. So we didn't have time to get on the track. But it was really just icing on the cake because we went there with the intent of really learning as much as we could from all the people that 
you know, had experienced this and knew a lot more than we did. Right, and, that, and, and from what it sounds like, they, uh, they really helped out. So that's actually pretty good. So there's a big, uh, sounds like there's a, a lot of camaraderie there at the, at the race, so that's pretty good. So what would you say the biggest takeaways from the event are about, about the car and, and maybe, you know, things you do differently? There was a lot to take away because it, it's kind of a gold mine, like in, in terms of like, knowledge that you can gain. Uh, from the community and how helpful they are. But I think our uh, greatest achievement is something that we'll pat our backs for is hearing from the officials that we have come the farthest they've seen for a first cycle team, which is notwithstanding the fact that we started with a multi-occupant vehicle where most teams might even get a single occupant vehicle donated to them to work on, to them bring, but we made from scratch multi-occupant along with no one had ever really made a car like ours in terms of size, power, we were really able to build a foundation that we can take through the rest of the years of solar pack so we can actually reach our goals down the line. You know, we weren't, we knew we weren't going to make the perfect car first one off the bat. We knew we weren't going to put down the most laps, but we finally got to have contact with the, the existing teams and uh, the officials who've been doing this solar car racing for decades. So we got a lot of direction from them and help on how to proceed with our issues. Okay, good. So that's your first attempt then. So so what happens next to the car and to you and to you guys? We're going to fully finish the build on this current car and we're going to get it running full capacity. And then we're going to take that to the next competition this next coming summer and we're going to get some actual race experience on the track. While we're working on finishing that car, we're working at the same time on a new build sort of in the background. So we're already in the design process for our next car. Good deal. Wow. So you guys are guys are busy, right? So uh, that's good. Next uh, summer, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll hear back from you guys that uh, that you ran the race and who knows, maybe even uh, you know you know placed in the top three or something, right? That's uh, that's the goal, oh, yeah. I, I yeah. presume. We might even set the fastest lap at the track. There you go. So I think that about wraps it up. So final thoughts. Tell me the one thing that you guys did well. Do you think, and uh, one thing you might do over again? So Adam, first. We worked really hard. And we worked really well together under pressure. Team stayed focused, driven, didn't crack, and we really proved to ourselves what we can do. We can improve, although uh, we need some polish. We need to learn from our mistakes, uh, as we are a very young team. And we need to make sure we put ourselves on the path of success in the future. Fair enough. Okay. Cody? Yeah, that's a great point about us. We really know how to scrap, but it's time to get better at making the final finished product. I think that in my leadership, I, I led by example well and doing a lot of the work, but it would have been much better for me to enable others to take more responsibility, um, I guess, to that point. I actually recently read a fortune cookie that said, the power of a leader is measured in his empowerment of others, and I find that to be really true because when we got the most stuff done was when I had other people doing the most work. <laughs> Believe me. Uh, after being in the engineering business for 35 years, that is a tough lesson that all engineers need to need to listen to. But all right, guys, thanks for the great discussion. So um, if anyone wants to learn more about SolarPack or NC State, please contact Adam or Cody at SolarPackNC at gmail.com. So SolarPackNC at gmail.com. Well, Bob, thank you. And, and Adam and Cody, thank you, too. I mean, that was, that was a really interesting conversation. I think it's just such a great example of the determination and ingenuity that all engineers really share and the willingness to deal with obstacles and confront them and not let them kind of take you down and just stick with it. So I really just congratulations to you all. So again, thanks. Thank that uh, was a great conversation. And with that, it wraps up another edition of ASME Today and Tomorrow. Thanks as well 
well to Rich Samalot and Josh Oleska for serving as associate producers. And to all of you uh, out there listening, we've heard from many of you with suggestions for future topics and speakers. So uh, keep it coming. Let us know. Drop us a line if you have other ideas at media at asme.org. And for ASME, I'm Michael Cowan, Director of Strategic Communications. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>